There are secrets out there, guys, performance marketing secrets, and knowing just one or two of them can absolutely light up your funnels. Let's go. This is the Revenue Driven CMO. I'm your host, Chris Mechanic. Join me as I uncover the secrets of the world's most elite CMOs marketing leaders. The Revenue Driven CMO is sponsored by Web Mechanics, the AI-driven performance agency that makes you smarter. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Revenue Driven CMO. I'm your main man, Chris Mechanic, and I'm really, really excited to be here today. Uh, I feel excited, really, to talk to this guest, and I feel privileged to have them on today. And as you can see, I'm not in my typical recording studio. I'm doing like a bit of a workcation here at the beach. But our guest today is a longtime sales and marketing leader with over three decades under his belt. He's been at Alterius, Inside Sales, CyberSource. He's deep, deep, deep uh, expert at demand gen, pipeline acceleration, customer loyalty. I can't wait to learn uh, from him and to hang out and talk with him. Currently serving as vice president of global demand gen uh, at TradeShift, which is a really unique and interesting uh, accounts payable automation firm. But ladies and gentlemen, welcome Jeff Fowler to the show. Thank you. Look forward to chatting with you today, Chris. Me too. Yeah. And we were talking about workations and the difference between like unplugging, like everybody's like unplug and get out. But I'm like, no, I need to work for two hours a day so I can get away from the kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the little, the little, the well-kept secret there. But dude, you are a real badass. I'm, I'm excited to be interviewing you. And you know how we like to roll. We like to lead with the value. So tell us, what is one of your best-kept secrets to success? You know, that is such a good question. And I, I hope I don't disappoint with an answer, but really... Uh, and I'm going to share two. And the first one is around the concept or the idea, and especially talking marketing ideas and, and, and discussions, having the opportunity and the ability to reduce the subjectivity that is flying around in a discussion room and keep, keep that, keep that decision-based uh, discussion going around the data that we have what we know to be true, what we're looking to accomplish, um, and try to take opinions out of it as much as possible. And I, I, I like quick, that. Yeah, drop it. That second one is, is there are no secrets. Uh, there is, there's not a magic silver bullet, silver lining that you can always just pull to and go towards. It, it's a constant battle. It's a constant effort of changing dynamics, changing outcomes, objectives, budgets audiences, messaging, all of those pieces come into play. And the, the, the secret is there's not a secret. It's just bringing that team together, pulling with responsibilities, working towards a common North star and, and putting your best foot forward and knowing you're going to stumble and pick back up and get, go, get back on the bike and keep riding and walking again, because it, that's what it takes. So that's, that's the real truth of the matter. Are you, uh, you're technical technical background like no you were, we were I, talking about word perfect and floppy disks i started i started in technical support on the 800 okay. lines um okay. years ago so that's but i i i wouldn't say i wouldn't put a technical label on 
on me. I, I certainly understand technology and have the ability to, to understand what I need to know. But Well, talk around- to me about subjectivity. I like that. So it's like subjectivity is not your friend, it sounds like, is the message. Exactly. Um, because you're going to get yeah, it. Give us some examples. Like where, when does subjectivity uh, appear in meetings or, or how does that show up in your world? I'll give you a, a real life example. We were in a discussion. We are changing our logo uh, with with a company. I'm not going to say their name, but we were looking to change their logo. And you know, we had a we had a team a, a team of about six seven of us that were going through the, the the process of looking. We had an agency coming back with concepts and designs, and we were reviewing them. And yeah, and and we there were about four of us were really focused on one particular logo, just the colors, the patterns, uh, the wordy, everything looked good for to us. Um, and then a couple of others were a little bit neutral and really didn't have a strong opinion. Our CEO in the discussion, a smaller company, um, CEO in the discussion, went completely outside and and picked a he picked a, a solution or a, a, a a sample that was just no one liked it except him. Yeah. And guess which one? And guess which one we went with? Of course, the CEOs, right? And guess what um, happened? And this was it, not a trade shift. This was no, in a no, no, no. This, is, this was pr- yeah, prior lifetime. It it it, it didn't succeed. It, it was a it was a little bit of a disaster from a, a brand and logo perspective. But lesson learned there. I I as the marketing element. And back then, actually, I was more in a sales role. Uh, but I was wrong to say we were trying to match opinion for opinion. The four of us thinking option one, the CEO looking for option two, but that doesn't hold waters. That that just invites subjectivity all over the place. So if we would have had the data, had done the focus groups, presented the facts of this is where our you know customer experience is telling us to go direction two, then, then, it, then we still might have gone to his path, but the idea is at least we would have presented that. And we, me and the others didn't do a good enough job uh, to, 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 to put that data forward. So that was a bit of a, that was a little bit of a war story that just, you know, as much as you can take that subjectivity out of it, one, the, the quicker you'll get to a decision and two, the, the most, it's more likely that decision is going to be a better decision. But yeah. Keep, well, keep going. I have a, I have a lot of thoughts. Have you heard of the hippo concept? The highest paid person in the rooms of opinion? Hippo. <laughs> no, I haven't heard of that. It's, it's true. like a, yeah, if you, um, one of my idols is this guy, Avinash Kaushik, who's the mix evangelist for Google. Yeah. So, uh, and he has a really great blog, but if you look him up, Avinash, it's AVI, AVI, and then Nash, like Nashville. Avinash Kaushik, um, that's the first place I heard hippo, but I've heard it used a couple other times. High, highest paid person in the room's opinion. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's truth. It is truth, and especially in design decisions, right? Like nowhere does that subjectivity come out, I feel like, more than in design decisions. And we've always, uh, as an agency, right, we have felt that burn many times like you know you you put in a lot of work and a lot of effort into these design concepts and then somebody just comes and shits on them for lack of a better term or 
Totally. But we we have a thing called presentation formula. So presentation right. formula goes like this. So, hey, Mr. Client, we have these new designs ready. But before I show them to you, I want to tell you a little bit about the thinking that went into this, right? So at this point, it's a bit awkward because like you're on a Zoom call, but you're not sharing anything, right? Right, right. So the, it's critical to talk about the um, the reasons. I mean, this is what I've learned, but the reasons, uh, basically, how you arrive there. And so you say four things. You say, based on what you told us, blase, blase, blase. Then you say, uh, based on our experience with other companies like you, blase, blase, blase. So like based on industry experience or based on experience that we have with companies right. like yours, blase, blase. Then you say, based on generally accepted principles, blase, blase. Like banner ads should not be confusing. Less is more, right? Right. Then you say, based on just insider special shit that I know because I'm a badass, blase, blase. <laughs> Right? I've, done so this, the, I've done this multiple times. So those are the four categories right there. And then when you deliver, you know, that's that's our attempt at getting subjectivity out of the equation. But but how do you do it now? Like like in your in your day to day now, you know, because that still happens, I'm sure. Still happens. And everything and it, is and, subjective. And it's almost. not in yeah, and you take brand that 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 one example is from a brand perspective. I'll switch over and 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 this kind of leads me into a, another topic that I think is critical, and that's the data that the the marketing operations team can provide. So, if you're looking at whether it's a a campaign that's performing or not performing, what are the, what are those elements? Is that your opinion that it's not performing, or does the data tell us? Are our open rates low? Are clicks our clicks, our clicks off, you know, what is that data? And, and then we can help that helps zero in on what the potential problem might be. So again, yeah. using that data to just to say, you know what, we're not getting the opens. It, it could be a subject line issue or obviously the AB test where you, you know, you've got two different or, or you know, pieces out there, but yeah. that's, we try to use that data aspect as it relates to driving those decisions in those discussions. Um, and that's what we do today. And they, I've got a, we've got a fantastic trade shift. We've got a fantastic marketing ops uh, team and they are on the ball and provide continually providing us with that information to help us uh, get those decisions right. So shout that's out awesome. to the mops team. Shout out to the mops team. Indeed. Uh, Absolutely. Tell, us, tell us about trade shifts. So I know you're in the AP game accounts payable, uh, not everybody listening will like immediately know what that Correct. is. Uh, right. So maybe describe it like, hey, like who who's your customer? What do you do for them? How are you different or unique than than other providers in the space? Yeah, that's it's a really good question. And uh, so TradeShift's a private company, uh, been you know around for ten plus years, uh, knocking on the doors of the you know we're a cloud based supply chain platform and, that, and you're a pretty big deal you have about a thousand employees or a little bit less than that uh yeah we're a little bit under there now and we are so like i said a supply chain a cloud-based supply chain platform that mm. is really 
transforming the way B2B buyers and suppliers uh, connect, trade, and transact with each other. So, you know, trying to improve the old, the old systems of paper-based activity and transactions going back and forth between these buyers and suppliers and moving them into a digital uh, framework. And, yeah. and we, we specialize in, like you said, in AP automation. Uh, you know, That's you're talking accounts payable, accounts payable. Thank you. Um, and so invoices coming in, being received, acknowledge that they're correct and, and then submitted for payment and, and yeah. going down their, their path. E-invoicing like is big in that, a big part of what we do. Do you want to know a, do you want to know a true story in terms of, um, in terms of verifying is correct? Yeah. So we have we have a media vendor that invoices us monthly, and usually we expect that invoice to be around two thousand, two to three thousand bucks, give or take. Yeah. We received an invoice for like three hundred and forty eight thousand dollars, which wow. like for us because we're a small company, right? For us, like, like there's no verification process needed. Like the C the CFO is going to see that <laughs> and be like, what the. Heck? Like that would be like our whole profit for two months or three months, you know, but, um, but that's crazy. Yeah. So mistakes happen in invoice. Absolutely. And sometimes they're not that noticeable, you know, sometimes right. it might just be an extra thousand bucks or like if it was an extra 500 or a thousand bucks, like we wouldn't have caught it. Probably we would have been like, yeah, okay. Yeah. And then depending on the volume you're doing, you multiply that by X and those that adds up pretty quick yeah. right so you check know, the, your invoices people. check that out the, the other another piece that we're uh that we're proud to and doing real well with around the global compliance uh where you are offering complete global compliance in 50 plus countries including china so you know another part of that ap automation aspect is being able to comply with the lo with the local country regulations and and uh that are necessary for those invoices to go through. So that's something we do. We do really well there. And then a new piece that we're, we're kicking into, which I'm really excited about, uh, is the B2B marketplaces and embedded fintech services. Um, we've, we're launching some, some technology that gets us, you know, provides, uh, the participants onto our network, the ability to grow and from a profit perspective, value driven, and and you know, think of the whole idea of in COVID was really an accelerator from a you know the 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 marketplaces around from a consumer perspective. Everyone now enjoys the idea of going on buying something, having that delivered or shipped, and then paying for it, returning it. All of the convenience that comes in play. Move that over into a B two B place where you're wanting to work maybe with only a specific number of suppliers if you're if you're a buyer or you want to expand your network to new suppliers um, that's the technology that we're working with and we got some exciting things uh, coming up around that as well so it's exciting times exciting times at trade shift and if you google us you'll see we just announced a really uh, an exciting announcement with uh, HSBC uh, we're going to be doing uh, a joint venture with them uh, that's interesting. That's a bank in the next several months. That's a, one of the world's largest banks, and uh, they're looking to leverage this whole embedded fintech services and what they can do to help you know stay, you know, keep their customers excited, happy, and satisfied as they move into this digital age of 
of payments and uh, and invoices so and all the pieces. Who's your customer? Do you guys target? So right right now we're primarily targeting on the enterprise side. So bigger companies, um, both on a buyer perspective, and when I say buyer, think of you know a manufacturer, uh, logistics, retail companies that have to. Uh, establish relationships with suppliers to get their raw materials, to get their services mm. in order to build their product and to go to market. So, so who help- would be your, who would be your dream come true client? Give us a name because in case they're listening or if they're not listening, we'll send this <laughs> to them and they'll see. Well, I, I'll give you an existing company like uh, DHL. Um, DHL. Yeah. DHL, Nestle, those types of big organizations, big companies that have to go out and and have a lot of relationships with suppliers in all assets and in all locations. You know, that I was see. one of the that's one of the challenges that we hit from the covid aspect is if your supplier that you were getting in, getting materials from in country 1 all of a sudden couldn't provide that to you and you didn't have a another supplier in that country, you might have to go outside of that country to find that inf- to find that same materials so you know it's it's not just a local piece that you, you put together that's where the global aspect comes into play so well. you sell so your target is enterprise b2b but your customers sell mostly to b2c like because nestle they, is they a can, B2C. yes absolutely they can they they can they will and sell primarily to b2c and, and so we're the helping them where... build their we're helping them build their 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 products basically yeah, so they have cost of goods. They and they procure these goods from different places and even in different countries. And they've got dozens, if not hundreds, of different suppliers. Exactly of those exactly. goods. So DHL Facil- buys boxes or and tape and right facilitating know, that facilitating that that accounts payable and e invoicing relationship between that buyer and their hundreds or like you said dozens of suppliers. Um, Interesting. That's, that's where we fit in. And cool. So and, tell us a tell us a win story. Brag a little bit about something awesome or about some awesome team member. It'll make it. You know, it'll make for a good clip. You know what? I love my team. Um, we've been we've been through a lot together, and every one of them. I would I would just. It's we're all over the world. First of all, it's a truly a global based organization. We've got team members all the way, you know, the Bay Area, uh, um, the East Coast. I, I work out of Utah, so put that in the middle of the States. Uh, Love Utah. Uh, Romania, uh, the UK, Egypt. Oh, uh, wow. So we're we're literally a global team, and I love getting together with my team for on Zoom calls to, uh, to you know, to, to wrap on on what we've got coming up and what's going on from a marketing perspective. But um, I'll give you a big win. We are a typical marketing organization where we we have to look at the full uh, marketing journey, the full buyer's journey, as it relates to initially reaching out for someone at the very top of the funnel with a you know some type of awareness uh, piece of content, getting them interested in coming to our site. Um, and And then once they're on our site, how do we engage with them? You know, what do we offer them with regards to content, our solutions? Where do they go from there? And 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 then once we are able to capture, they raise their hand high enough to give us some information about who they are and what they might be looking for. 
you know, then we put them into some additional nurturing uh, segments that we're gonna that we're going after. So a, a good win that recently had that involves really almost every member of our of our marketing organization and our our teammates from the sales development rep side that, that do incredible work on qualifying the the leads that we put into the system. So we we attended an event and we captured a, a contact from that event, uh, just a basic name, right? Email address yeah. and basic name. Business card, so, whatever. Yeah. Business card. We got. We get the. We just. We we get. We did the follow up, and through that follow up, they engaged with our content. Um, they started, you know, clicking on some things. So yeah. we started enrolling them in additional nurtures uh, right. with that. And I think we ended up sending about thirteen different communications, and they in- interacted with three of them to the point where they registered for an upcoming webinar. Uh, attended the webinar, and uh, like most market organizations, we've got a, a threshold score that once they hit a certain level, then they accelerate into other thing, you know, other categories from a marketing yeah. speak perspective. So we put them; they they cross the threshold. And and by the way, before I continue the story, all of the work that went into that content to the show, the event that we did, the website that they came to and explored around the other pieces of content that they were interacting with. Um, the email, the uh, talking about market operations, the ability, we use Marketo, the ability to, to to broadcast or send out those emails and track what's going on with regards to their opens and their clicks and moving them into others. The team that wrote the nurtures, um, our product marketing team and our campaigns team, uh, writing those nurtures and getting them all prepped. And I'll tell you another little side note on, on that nurture in a second. But um, anyway, Gets to the SDR level. SDR has an initial appointment with them, a discovery call. They accept that. They then take that discovery call and turn it into uh, a preliminary demonstration. And now we're in, we're we're actively engaged with them in a sales process. Um, now wow. our sales process goes a little bit long than some longer than some of the others. Um, you know we're around nine to twelve months, so we're in the beginning of that sales process. But we've effectively put them in put our sales rep into a really good position uh, to, to to take a hold of that and run with it. So that's, that's really example. awesome. It's a cool team. Where- it's, it's, uh, it's really interesting just to hear the full life cycle because there's so many people and so many things that went into that one deal, like exactly. all the way from the event, like the field marketing team, the booth, you know, the person manning the event. All of those things. And then the the website that they came to, you know, because the nurtures are pointed, pointing them to the website and the messaging, our product marketing team, our digital team, our our web team, every everyone literally had their finger in this pie that is awesome. uh, hopefully going to get eaten real soon. So that's awesome. That's, well, that's a cool story. And what we did. So the other thing I want to shout out, you know, you talk about a shout out to the, that's the shout out to the full team, um, looking at the individuals, our campaigns team recently went through and revised. We've got, depending on the contact, we'll put them into a general nurture or we'll put them into a very specific nurture around a product offering or a particular area. And our team just re- reworked our, um, our a couple of our general nurtures and we're seeing a really increased success in clicks from that nurture change so interesting 
hats off to, again, that's a shout out to the campaigns team for the good work that they're doing as well. Sweet. Well, golf clap, folks. Yeah, that's right. We'll do the <laughs> Absolutely. Go trade shift marketing. Nice. You guys know who you are. Trade shift is the real deal. Um, and I'm curious also, uh, so obviously it's not all wine and roses, right? There's some challenges. What, what are some of your biggest challenges right now or what's keeping you up at night? You know, so one thing that keeps me up at night is the, the constant need for continuing refreshing our, our contacts, our data, you know, Mm. You, you get a good chunk of data and if you don't continually have new new contacts coming in and you're yeah. marketing to that and then when those contacts convert to leads and you've got that information, you know, the visitors are going to a contact into a lead and you continue to market to the contacts into the leads. Eventually, if you don't get new life coming into there, it gets stale. And, yeah. you know, so one of the things I'm, you know, we're working together as a team is how do we and in in challenging economic times you know it's not like everyone's budgets are are doubling or tripling uh, as it relates right. to investment right quite the contrary you know, <laughs> you know that from the agency perspective you're seeing that i'm sure on a daily basis so how do we how do we shift our marketing focus and and still we still ha- have to have that newness of life coming in but you know we just don't have the luxury of of buying our way into those into that new life right now, so it takes some yeah. it takes some creative thinking and some strategic partnerships and leveraging other channels that may not be as expensive uh, from a cost perspective right now. But again, at the end of the day, you still have to have that newness coming in, or you'll get stale. And yeah, that's what that's are one of what are your biggest up. channels? Like, um, are you like where where do most of your things come from is it from the events or is it mo- mostly from paid social or google search or yeah so like- a little bit of everything and like like most marketing teams out there you're not you're not focused on just one channel you want to have a good a good selection across the board so actually our events as they've come back online from a, a, an in person perspective they're one of our highest converting channels. We do really well, um, you know, from a quality perspective of mm-hmm. getting people and because we, we've got a really good system of follow up and and understanding what they're interested in and trying to weed out those that really aren't true, truly interested in in going around the ones that have shown that level of interest. Um, we're also pretty we're successful as it relates to our our search, um, doing in making remarkable improvements in our organic search specifically mm. um we've brought on some uh, expertise there um and shout out to her she knows who who i'm talking about uh and she's done incredible work as it relates to getting our position a lot higher on with key terms uh, on pages so that's been nice. a really good channel to bring into into us that we're working in. um we the website obviously uh the digit from the digital side the campaigns that we're talking about we also work with partners um you know we're not just a direct business we've got a a healthy partner ecosystem uh Mm -hmm. working with those partners to determine you know how we market either with them or through them or to them to get access to additional uh interested uh prospects 
that we can put our our offering and our services together without partner. And basically what you're doing there is you're taking a formula and saying one plus one equals three. Going to market together, you're better than you know than by yourself with, with yeah. all things considered. So that's been an effective channel for us as well um, as it relates to the marketing work that we're doing. So those are some of the ones that we're, we work on um, on a regular basis. Yeah, I get it. Yep, totally. So, uh, so it sounds like you got a pretty nice diversified channel mix. It sounds like things are going relatively well. You got a really strong team. You're global uh, with a long selling cycle. What is your, uh, what's next? What's in the future for you? What are, what are some of your big, your big things that you're investing in, whether it's tech or AI or, or some yeah, of your big initiatives? We're, so we're, we're exploring a couple of things and I, I would want to, I will also want to call out one critical piece, you know, not, not only for us, but for most marketing organizations. And that's that alignment. I talked about that example of that lead coming in and, and working its way through. We are shoulder to shoulder with our sales development reps, our SDR team. Um, they don't report into marketing. They report into sales, which is fine. Um, it doesn't matter where they report. I've been in organizations that put them in, you know, both either sides, the marketing side or the sales side. But the idea where you have a common goal and, you know, that team struggles to function effectively if we don't provide them with those marketing qualified leads. And right. we struggle if they don't do a good job of qualifying those leads right. and putting them into the sales process. So yep. we are, we're literally, you know, tied together as it relates to trying to get our way to success. So that alignment with not only that team, but then also obviously the sales teams and and getting the feedback from them with regards to what's working, what's not working, the messaging aspect of it. Um, so all of those pieces are are critical for us. Um, and that, that's, that's a big thing you're working on now. Because there, so, yeah, there are still a lot of marketing orgs that are a bit disconnected. They realize they're in the same boat or maybe they don't realize that they're in the same boat, but they, you know, that's the historical, you know, headbutting challenges between sales and marketing. Like, yeah, like we, we gave you a hundred leads. These leads suck. Like, <laughs> um, you know, but at the end of the day, it's the, that, that conflict, it, it's, it can, it can be healthy first of all, because there, there's merit to some of those conversations on both yeah. sides. Um, but at the it sounds end like of the you guys day, are taking a proactive approach to that and, and like a um, constructive approach. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, you've got to be aligned because if that sell doesn't happen, you know what? The, both of your boats sink, right? Both of our boats sink. That's uh -huh. exactly right. So we've got to, we've got to have that alignment and, and that as it relates to what's coming, we're going to be looking, we're looking at our web we're looking at our our messaging. Um, we recently hired a new product marketing uh, director who's coming in and done some good work with us for you know what we want to, how we want to shift and make some modifications to be a little bit more, a little bit more um, out there, if you will, uh, as it relates to a little bit more provocative in in what we're putting out the message to try to attract some additional attention. But yeah, that's that's a big piece that we're going to be working on, and uh, and then execution on. Our core, we're just starting our Q3 in August, so we're starting to look now towards our next fiscal year, and we'll 
be working on our our FY25 budgets and and execution plans. So that's lots going on. There's never a dull moment. And just when you think there's a dull moment, you're going to get a big announcement or a big, uh, you know, a big shift or an acquisition or something that comes along that just keeps you always on your toes and always moving forward. Well, Jeff, uh, this has been amazing. You are an awesome marketer. I'm really impressed by you and inspired by you. Like, it seems like you seem like the type of leader that's just really pulling everybody together. You know, like there's some sorts of lead, there's different types of leaders, right? But you seem like that type of leader that's just like, like the team's leader. And it seems even, even though sales doesn't report into you, it seems like you have significant influence over that too. So well, thank you. It's a, it's a, it's kind of been a work of love uh, that I've enjoyed you know, the, this part of my career before I was doing sales, I wasn't, before I came to working, I did sales and yeah, I, it's, I'm willing to roll up my sleeves and, and jump into it. And, but it's my team, you know, those guys are, they're the ones that are really, you know, pulling the weight and, and doing the, the rough stuff. I'm just trying to keep us all moving forward. So thank you. I've enjoyed the chat. It's good to, uh, me too. thanks for coming off your, uh, Thanks for putting me on your workation uh, schedule. Hope you get my pleasure. Time to get back to the beach real soon. Yep, and it was not a work-life balance thing like we were talking about before the show. It's actually just like a daddy sanity thing because <laughs> daddy can only hang out with a three-year-old and a five-year-old for so long before going crazy. <laughs> treats, lots of treats, and yeah. the beach. The beach is magical. The oh the yeah, absolutely. Absolute. Cool. Well, it's time for the lightning round. Are you ready? Fire away. Let's There's do it. three questions. If you were to start a side hustle, what side hustle would that be? It would be something in athletics. I would I would want to do I would want to do something with with sports with uh that puts me in into the front row in into that thick of things. Um that's what I would do. Yeah, you'd hustle. probably be a good coach. Yeah, I imagine. I yeah, so something something with athletics. I don't know what or where, but I would. I, I love the aspect of a team and the concept of working together and accomplishing things. But individuals having to perform, uh, get measured, all that 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 is fascinating to me. It sounds a lot like marketing, really. Yeah, there is some marketing elements to that. Um, number two is top three books or authors or influencers that have made an impact in your career. And it could be fiction. It doesn't need to be nonfiction. Oh, boy. Um, so I'm going to say, I don't know if I'm going to give you three. Um, Liz Wiseman wrote a book several years ago called Multipliers. And Ooh, they've done a couple of spinoffs there. It's, I love that book. I've got a story about that too. She came up and did a little bit of a, a working session with us before she really t- started to explode. Um, that's but- the best book. And anybody that's listening, that's basically a book about like same people, different managers, completely different results. Yeah. Like the manager yeah. can make or break the team. And yeah. and it shows that empirically and scientifically and with a lot of examples and actionable items. It's like one of my, like on the drive home from the beach, I'll go to my Audible and I have like you know, 10 books or so, but I'll probably listen yeah. to that on the way back. She's, she's incredible. She's an incredible person too. I, uh, like I said, I, we had a chance to meet with her for a full day in a workshop 
you know, with her like six of us in the room from the company and she came and did a consult, like a, a whole day with us. Um, the big takeaway there also that she talks about is asking hard questions and having the respect in the, the team atmosphere to get those questions asked and discussed. Um, yeah. And that's, sometimes we shy away from that. And I think that's an important important part of a team and the in the culture on that team to be able to have the freedom and the openness and the you know the safety to say i this is a I, you know i'm going to challenge this um for these reasons and and that anyway liz wiseman uh colin's good to great uh it, you know is a classic classic yeah you, you got to have the other one i'll throw is not necessarily a uh a business book although i'm taking some business aspects out of it a cool author named Jay Shetty, Think Like a Monk. Um, yep. I, know I loved, I loved, I haven't met him, but I love that book um, and and his concepts. And I've subscribed to his podcast and listened to his his weekly stuff now. But uh, he, it's a really interesting story from a personal perspective, how his journey of getting to where he is today from actually coming out of the university and, and becoming a monk for yeah. a period of time. So Absolutely. that was, that's another one that's kind of a, a, a good read and stuff you can take away from. Cool. So those, yeah. I'm those a, are three. I'll add that to my, to my audible right now. Yeah. Good deal. Cool. And then third question is how do you avoid burnout and how do you help your team to do the same? Oh boy. Um, burnout's a real thing, first of all. And especially I, I, you know, from the, the hybrid work or your remote work place, you've got to, you've got to set that time aside. Uh, so I do a couple of things. Um, I try to stay consistent with an exercise schedule, uh, yeah. just to keep, and, and people are, 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 are respective of that calendar time that you put in there saying, Hey, this is no, no schedule on this. Give me this hour, uh, or yeah. thir- you know, 90 minutes, whatever that time is. And then the other, the other, and and I encourage my team to do the same thing. And unlike you and I talking about a workcation, you know what? When you do unplug, go unplug. We can cover it. We'll we'll hold your. Well, we got your back. And because when I go, I need you to have my back. So we'll just yeah. keep that going. The other thing um, that I would say is you've got to find that hobby or those hobbies or that outside of work counterbalance. Um, you know whether that's travel, whether that's uh, fly fishing. I I started fly fishing a couple uh, last year. Started you know brand new. So those types of things. Um, just the other day, I was I finished my calls, my formal calls. I had about two hours left in my workday, and but the weather was perfect. Um, I had been going at it pretty hard, and I said, you know what, I'm I'm gonna go. So I just yeah. I broke away for a couple hours and uh, got on in in on the river and and had some. Fortunately, I I caught a couple fish. I lost a couple fish, but uh, it was a successful time frame. But that hobby, I think, is important to to have just from a balanced perspective of of a time that you your mind needs to refresh. I'm a big proponent of a four day work week. Um, I haven't ever worked for a company that officially did that. Our HR people will roll their eyes at Trade Shift because I'm I've, I've already knocked on that door a couple of yeah. times, uh, but. I think that aspect of taking that time to get out of work, decompress, focus on other things. When you come back, 
you're you're more productive and more effective. And and the data is starting to show that in the studies that I've read. Now I'm sure there's some counter arguments out there that we could get into a healthy debate on, but yeah, that's what I would say. No, I would agree. And I do I don't always do workations. Sometimes I just do regular vacations where I unplug. Exactly. For everybody listening. Exactly. Cool, Jeff. You are a really awesome person and and a great marketer. I think Trade Shift's very lucky to have you. And uh, for everybody listening right now, if you learned something here today, or if you laughed, or if you liked it, drop us a like, a comment, or a five-star rating on uh, wherever you get your pause. That'd be really helpful for us. And uh, Jeff, for everybody listening, if they want to learn more about you or Trade Shift, where would you direct them? Yeah, uh, LinkedIn, obviously. Uh, hit my profile on LinkedIn, send me a message, um, and, and we can start that communication from there. Would love to uh, expand my network and and learn from other people. So let's let's have those conversations. Sweet. Well, stay on the line for just one second, Jeff. We're going to wrap. Uh, for everybody else, this has been another awesome episode of Revenue Driven CMO, and we will see you next time. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us here today. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at revenuedrivencmo.com. That's revenuedrivencmo.com. And hey, exclusive for listeners of this podcast, Web Mechanics will do 10 to 20 hours of work for you for free. Literally no sales calls, no BS. Just give them a problem and they will put a team to work for you for free for 10 to 20 hours. Even if you're already a client, if you're struggling with demand gen, lead gen, SEO, SEM, Google ads, LinkedIn ads, conversion optimization, if you can't get Facebook or meta ads to work for the life of you, or you can't figure out attribution, web mechanics will take a good hard look at whatever problem you give them, whatever programs you put in front of them, and they will give you an objective, informed opinion, plus some advice from 10 to 20 hours of senior level attention. And that's just because you're a listener of this podcast. So I would suggest take them up on this offer. It's ridiculous. Go to revenuedrivencmo.com slash free, fill out the two minute form and you will not regret it. Literally zero downside, unlimited potential for growth. So do yourself a favor, revenuedrivencmo.com slash free, no hyphens, no punctuations. You will be happy about that decision.